Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast, where we break down three of the biggest news stories in fashion each week. I'm your host, fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and today I'm not joined by Editor-in-Chief Joe Manoff. I usually am, but today we actually have my fellow Glossy reporter, Zofia Zviglinska. She's on the podcast today to uh, talk about COP26. How are you, Zofia? Hi, I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very happy that you're you're on the, the podcast with us today. This is more your sort of beat, the sustainability and the environment. So we're going to be talking about COP26 today. So we thought Zofia could join us to share a little bit of her expertise. We'll also talk a little bit about Nike's potential entrance into the metaverse um, and about the metaverse in general and what that whole thing means. Um, and then we'll finish off. We'll talk a little bit about American Eagle. They made yet another acquisition in the shipping and logistics space. One of the only companies that's not Amazon or Walmart or something doing anything with that. But um, but let's start with COP26. So normally I would summarize this news, but Sophia, this is your area of expertise. Why don't you summarize briefly what COP26 is? What's the news this week? And then we'll talk, talk about it a little bit. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so COP26 is currently going on in Glasgow in the UK this week. Um, so it's a really important climate gathering. It's basically the United Nations Climate Change Conference. It's got 200 countries that are getting involved to shape the future of climate action. Um, and the fashion industry actually plays a really major role in this because of the emissions involved, the amount of production involved. So making that um, a bigger part of COP26 is actually going to be um, high up on the agenda. Um, and this week, we've actually got some news already on um, the Fashion Roundtable, which is a UK-based think tank who have pulled together um, a huge number of organisations and fashion um designers and companies, um, including Phoebe English, um, Fashion Revolution and Future Fabrics Expo, um, who have all signed on these five recommendations that they hope to bring um, for the COP26. And the recommendations include a lot of different things. So there's things like net zero emissions by no later than 2050, um, resourcefulness and waste elimination, um, and then there's just some general things towards responsibility by businesses for their supply chains. We know that's really important because supply chains have generally been um, focused on a lot in these last few um, months. Um, and then also things like repair and reuse for clothing, um, because a lot of companies are investing in that at the moment. Um, so shifting those business models to suit repair um, and also making sure the supply chains are more efficient. Yeah, you know, it's something that occurred to me while looking through the news was I, I saw like two of the big commitments that the, the general COP26 made. Um, one of them was uh, reducing methane emissions. So I was looking up where in the in the fashion industry does the methane emissions come from? Is it like production? What? And I, I think if I understand this correctly, most of the methane released from fashion comes from clothes in the landfill when they're decomposing, especially if they're artificial, you know, polyester or nylon or something like that. Um, so in that sense, to me, circular fashion models, whatever that means, whether it's repairing or re reselling or whatever, keeping things out of the landfill is a good way to probably reduce those methane emissions. Absolutely. Like that is a really big part of it. And um, methane in general, I mean, with any company that burns their clothes as well, methane is going to be high up on those emissions because when you burn stuff, methane is produced. It is funny to me, though, that brands will like attend something like this and then give a speech about how important 
it is like this is you know this is the future of our planet and then go back and like burn a bunch of clothes or something um i i jill and i talked about this a couple weeks ago i I know burberry always is the one that gets called out for it because they like had a very infamous news story about it but lots of brands like burn their clothes it's horrible there was that story a couple weeks ago about coach like slashing their bags so they couldn't be reused like all of that stuff like you know you can't show up at cop 26 and give an inspiring speech about the future of the planet and then go do something like that yeah exactly and it's weird like so far i haven't actually seen any fashion companies talk at cop 26 there's been celebrities who've been invited and um there's been some energy giants who have spoken but so far there haven't actually been any fashion companies so i'm looking forward to the rest of the week and seeing if anyone talks about it then yeah, I, I believe next week the UN has like a fashion industry charter kind of group that includes a bunch of big companies like Burberry. And I think they're meeting next week. So we might see some more news out of it around then. Was there anything that you were disappointed by or that you were expecting to see and didn't see at COP26? Or I don't know, anything, any other moments from the week stand out to you? I think at the moment, it's mostly just been the fact that there's been a lot of energy companies included in COP. Um, most of the time, f- from what I understand, there's been a problem with access um, for COP26. There's been issues with um, people who have been accredited for it and who haven't been let in. Apparently, there's only one entrance for the whole thing. So there's just queues outside. Um, and the events are not really being seen. So I think a lot of the time it is just people tuning in to stuff online rather than actually meeting and doing stuff in place, which is what the whole COP26 is about. But, you know. Well, one final note on the COP26. So uh, it was notable to me that um, and, and President Biden sort of called this out, but Russia and China were two of the nations that were not in attendance. China, obviously, I don't know about Russia, but China is a big emitter of of greenhouse gases, as is the U.S. But I did want to say that I feel like I often hear people shoot down climate reform policy in their own country by saying, well, like, oh, well, China's like not, you know, they're not doing it or whatever. And I don't think that's really a good excuse. So, you know, you don't need to wait for other people to do something before you do it. But that was notable that Russia and China both did not attend. Um, Like you said, there were like 200 nations there or something. So it was kind of a notable omission. Um, all right. Next up, we also have Nike uh, possibly, possibly going into the metaverse. Seems likely. I'll, I can I can summarize it real quick. But uh, basically, I think it was actually last week that these trademarks were filed. But I think it only came out this week. Nike had filed several trademarks for various forms of digital goods. I think there was four different versions, uh, like something about that term, um, in different categories: headwear, glasses, bags downloadable digital goods, I think was another phrase that was trademarked. Obviously, it seems pretty clear that that's gesturing towards some sort of metaverse NFT type kind of thing. The, all these trademarks are on an intent to use basis, meaning they're they're trademarked, even though the thing that it's a trademark of is not actually in existence yet. I'll, I'll give my thoughts real quick, which is just that Nike like basically shaped and birthed the entire sneaker collecting and resale industry. Um, which I think to me, the NFT space is like, is a direct descendant of that. So I'm not totally surprised to hear that they're going into it. Sophia, am I missing anything? Um, I think the main thing is that they've also um, filed patents for entertainment services. So it's not just that, but also retail store services that feature um, virtual goods. So that's definitely including the metaverse as a general concept. 
Um, and Nike have kind of teamed up with Roblox back in March and April last um, two years ago now on an Air Max event um, where they created these kind of exclusive bundles. So basically like drops in the sneaker space. Um, but since then, they haven't actually done anything in the space. So this would definitely be an upgrade for it. They are advertising designer roles, so virtual material designer roles. Um, so someone who would be directing this metaverse, creating the materials needed for virtual sneakers and doing all of that. Um, and also what's interesting is that there's been a, quite a few um, newsy bits around um, Luxo, who are a key blockchain infrastructure. They partner with things like DressX, who do AR garments. Um, and the digital vice president of Nike, um, Daniel Heath, is an advisor there. Um, so he would probably be somewhat involved in that. So Luxo might be a possible blockchain platform that Nike are going to be launching on. But at the moment, it's still a little bit unclear. Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I didn't know that they were hiring so much, too. That's good to know. Um, another thing I was thinking with Nike and like NFT stuff, uh, what I've been interested in when a lot of brands do this is like when they make a virtual good, is it tied to an actual good as well? Because I've seen some brands that have made, you know, they've dropped like a collect a virtual collection, but it's also it's like all pieces that you can get in real life, too. Um, and I've seen brands do not do that, where they drop something virtually and it doesn't actually exist at all in real life. Um, Nike, I I feel like my my instinct is that they probably will do both. That like if they drop some NFT Air Max or something, that it'll be tied to an actual Air Max that you can really buy. Um, just because they're not shy about you know dropping a new Air Max every two days. You know they do it all the time. Um, and also they're just so huge and have such reach that you know they could get away with it. Let's talk a little bit about metaverse stuff in general, though, um, just while we're on the topic, because uh, I know you've done a good amount of coverage of this as well. Can you explain, I think most people listening will probably know what the metaverse is, at least in some sense, but in general, like, what have you seen with what fashion brands are doing with metaverse stuff? Um, so with the metaverse, brands are kind of tentatively dipping their toe into it, um, mostly with kind of limited edition drops the same way that Nike would possibly do theirs. Um, but it's mostly just been limited collections. So from brands like Rebecca Minkoff um, with Balenciaga, which is, I think, what you were referring to before um, with the kind of virtual and real garments at the same time. Um that's kind of been a little bit more rare. I think only a couple of luxury players have been doing that. So um, Dolce & Gabbana obviously also launched theirs, which was you know, touted to be the most expensive NFT ever sold. I think that's where the like distinctions have to come in because you can get digital garments, you can have NFTs, and you can have you know digital collections as well, where it's kind of both digital and real at the same time. So I think there's a lot of different ways that um, brands can get into the space. I think at the moment, it's still such a new and evolving space that a lot of them are very um, hesitant about entering it. But there's still so much potential there. And, you know, the NFT week is kind of currently going on in New York. So there's a lot of events which are pushing that kind of digital realm forward. Um, and I think with more gaming platforms involved, with Unreal Engine developing, there's definitely going to be more news of fashion brands entering. Yeah, for sure. Let's tie it back to COP26, actually, real quick. And one final thing on NFTs. In my coverage, my my talking to people, it feels like, 
the the environmental impact of NFTs gets a little undercovered sometimes. What are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think a brand could be like, you know, COP26 compatible, like doing all the right things and still be making NFTs just because they do require so much energy consumption to make? Or I don't know, have you seen more sustainable alternatives to kind of classic NFT making? Yeah, absolutely. So there are definitely more sustainable ways of doing it. The main thing is with the different kind of proof of work or proof of stake models, which is kind of how um, the cryptocurrency is authorized. So for example, if you've got NFTs, they can either be based on proof of stake or they can be based on proof of work. Proof of work is Ethereum, which is essentially where most of the um, current cryptocurrency transactions are taking place. Um, That is the one which is definitely less sustainable. However, um, Ethereum are working on something called um, Ethereum 2.0, which is essentially going to be a proof of stake model instead. So that's actually going to make it much more sustainable. I can't remember the exact number when it comes to how little the impact is, but I think it's somewhere around like 2% something like that I'll have to double check that but essentially it's very very small compared to the current Ethereum model and a lot of the um, blockchain networks are actually operating on proof of stake already so that means that there are platforms like Luxo for example which are sustainable which definitely don't have that kind of uh, impact when it comes to the processing power needed for that cryptocurrency Um, So I definitely think there are alternatives. And, you know, for a lot of these digital fashion companies, sustainability is a massive driver because they want to create, you know, digital wardrobes that you can exchange and buy freely and that don't have the production impact of real garments. So I think that that's definitely something that, you know, more people will be looking towards, towards making sure that those blockchain transactions are, um, you know, sustainable, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm personally a little more skeptical of NFTs than I think a lot of people in the industry. Um, But if they could be made in a way that doesn't require, you know, like just tons and tons of energy output for basically no reason, that would be that would go a long way towards making me feel better about them. But as it stands, like you said, most of them are on Ethereum and it's just requires so much output. Also, if you're trying to build a PC, you cannot get a good graphics card right now because they're all being used for crypto mining. But anyway, that's another topic. Okay, let's talk about our last story. So this is about American Eagle. If anyone was uh, following Glossy about two months ago, uh, I wrote a story about how American Eagle had acquired a company called AirTerra, um, which is a shipping logistics, uh, specifically shipping by air company that American Eagle purchased for an undisclosed amount. It was interesting because it was clearly a way to get around some of the shipping logistics supply chain issues that that people have been having recently. Notably, you know, the only companies that have bought their own shipping or logistics companies have been like Amazon, Target, Walmart, these huge retailers. Um, American Eagle is not one of those. Anyway, the news this week is that on Tuesday, they acquired another logistics company, Quiet Logistics, this time for $350 million. And this is a sort of same-day delivery shipping by ground company. So now they have an air shipping company and a ground shipping company. I think it's only in four cities at the moment, but they would like to expand it. Yeah, Zofia, what are your thoughts on on these on brands like possibly taking some more supply chain shipping stuff in-house rather than relying on a third party like FedEx or DHL or something like that. 
Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. Essentially, making anything in-house is going to be a massive move towards, you know, taking actionable kind of responsibility for your own supply chain. Um, on the other hand, you know, in terms of kind of disclosing stuff, um, whether that's going to be FedEx or someone else, it may be easier to get that data. If it was a third party company, um, it might mean that this data is going to be less publicly available. However, I'm hoping that it's actually a move towards, you know, again, towards sustainability, towards making sure that these um, companies are kind of taking responsibility for their supply chain. Alternatively, I mean, it may just be a way of kind of diverting from the current supply chain issues that are going on around the world. I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of retailers have realized that they can't be relying on other people to deliver their goods as that can create delays. Um, there are, you know, extreme kind of shipping costs at the moment. So I think a lot of that will be motivated simply by by that financial decision. Yeah, absolutely. When we had our glossy fashion summit at the beginning of October, we had these working groups in which, um, you know, people from across the industry were talking about different issues they were facing. And one of the number one things people were talking about was frustration with carriers like UPS or DHL or FedEx with just unreliability and also lack of transparency, like not knowing when something was actually going to arrive somewhere. So I think for that, for that alone, just like if you're, if you own the company that's shipping the thing, like and you can just actually see where stuff is like that alone, I think is probably very valuable for a lot of brands right now. Also should be pointed out that American Eagle, even though it's not Amazon, is a huge company. I'm not sure exactly what their revenue is, but it's in the billions. I mean, they're they're super successful. Aerie especially is like huge, but they can afford to buy a $350 million shipping company. And I think most brands probably cannot. So in that sense, I think it's um, maybe not as widely applicable as a strategy, but it is interesting and possibly a herald of more fragmenting of you know, the supply chain in general. Cool, Zofia, anything else you wanna add on American Eagle? No, I was just looking up on the uh, revenue. I think it's uh, 1.19 billion um, for 2021. So they are definitely massive. Yeah, they're a big um, company. Yeah, so I think that, that that kind of decision making is definitely going to impact smaller companies who are going to look to these to, you know, model their supply chain um, structures off. So I think more people will be looking for, you know, making those um, shipping in-house or trying to do that as much as possible just so that they can keep control over, over what they're doing in their own operations. Yeah, absolutely. Um Okay, I think that's just about all the time we have for this week's episode. Zofia, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for sharing some of your expertise. Uh, and we'll hope to have you on again soon. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It was great being on.